Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome to Morning Glory, our midweek Bible study. And I'm so glad that you're here today. Now, today we're going to talk about the subject of godly exercise. You know, when you go into a gym, there's many different types of equipment that you could use, or perhaps you have some gym equipment there at your house and you prefer to exercise at home. Well, today we want to talk about the spiritual exercise unto godliness, and I believe that you will receive supernatural insight from today's message. So let's open up in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your holy word and that your word washes just like water is used to washes in a bath. So we thank you, Father, that your word is going forth today, bringing cleansing and clarity and good understanding of your will and of your ways. Now, Father, thank you. Let us lock on to the exercises that you would have us to engage in. And we give you praise. We thank you in Jesus' name. And we all say, Amen. Praise God. Now, let's go today to a scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, a scripture that we are very familiar with. And here we read where it says, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth, that He may establish His covenant, which He swore to your fathers as it is this day. So when it comes to accessing the wealth that God has available for his people, he works on the basis or on the platform of a covenant. That's the whole purpose. It is covenant wealth. And we all understand that God has plenty of wealth. He has unlimited reserves. But it's fascinating to meditate upon the reality that God has given his people the power to get it, the power to get wealth. So covenant wealth is something that a person comes into, not by luck or chance. And what I want to do is lay a little bit of a framework, cover some basics, and then move into what I believe the Holy Spirit wants to bring forth primarily in today's message. So covenant wealth, which comes from God, is not something that you stumble into by luck or chance. It's also something that it's not held back by its power to work based upon what country you might live in. In other words, a person can say, well, Pastor Stephen, that's great that this would work in a capitalistic type, perhaps democratic type government. But what do you do in a government, perhaps that's primarily communist? And, you know, maybe there's a lot of cheating. There's a lot of bribes going on behind the scenes. How can you expect to get to the top in an environment like that? And that's something that any good person would ask themselves because this covenant that God has is supernatural, and it is able to lift you even in the most adverse circumstances or even in the most difficult nations where you would think it's not possible for it to work here. 
But let me say this, even concerning areas that would test the power and the validity of God's covenant, no matter how much cheating or bribery is, is going on, you still are going to need honest businessmen and businesswomen and just honest people in general to work with. If all you're working with is cheaters, uh, say like you're a corrupt person and you're working with cheaters, you still have to find somebody eventually who is not a cheater because they're going to take what you have if they're a cheater. So you're going to have to eventually work with an honest person. And if you will keep biblical integrity, you will find that it may not give you uh, quick results. It may cause you to be a little slower along the rise upward, but you will find that there is always a need for those who walk in integrity. And I believe, my friends, that I'm speaking to those type of people today. So covenant wealth has to do with our willingness and our obedience to the terms of the covenant. You can't have a covenant or a testament, Old and New Testaments. You can't have a covenant or a testament or contract without having terms or in today's modern terminology, the fine print, praise God. But with God, the print is very clearly laid out. God expresses what he expects of us. And when we meet those terms and conditions, then God promises that upon our obedience, this is what he will do. Praise God. Hallelujah. So this is very, very uh, comforting to know as gas prices perhaps could continue to rise, as prices for basic things like groceries, toilet paper, or basic necessities continue to go up in price, you have to understand that that covenant just keeps on working. And no matter what takes place, God's covenant will always produce for you. And we see this when Joseph went down to Egypt and there was a famine, and we know what took place with the seven years of plenty, followed by the seven years of famine. But we have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. And of course, they need some help uh, in order to purchase food. So what they're going to do is because they can't get it locally, they need some help. So they're going to have to go down to Egypt because of Joseph's leadership, that's the only place where you can buy grain. But notice that when Jacob sent his sons to Egypt, they went to Egypt to buy bread, to buy grain. They did not go to beg. And even with the rise of inflation, where money, in a sense, failed in the country of Egypt and so forth, and now people are selling uh, their cattle, they're selling their real estate. Eventually, they're selling themselves so that they can purchase food to stay alive. Wow. But you see, Jacob, that when he sent his sons down, they're not begging. And they're going down there to purchase. So God is able to keep you uh, ahead of the pace, even of times when there would be inflation and so forth. A matter of fact, when Joseph sent the brothers back, and he put money in their sacks. Well, Jacob said, you know, this could be a mistake. 
And so when you go back, just in case this was a mistake, uh, take double. So they took double back. So the blessing of the Lord, the covenant that uh, God had with Jacob is working so that you can stay ahead of anything and have the money and the provision that you need. Praise God. So there is a law that guarantees our financial peace. And my friends, it's the law of seed time and harvest. Now, I know that many of you know these things, and I want to just cover them briefly before we move into a little bit more deeper teaching. Let's go to Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. Genesis 8 and verse 22. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. Well, here, what we have is God basically saying and declaring to us that only those who sow seeds have a harvest that's going to come. Wow. Only those who sow seeds will have a harvest. Praise God. Now, this is something that the church world has been learning, particularly over the last uh particularly the last 30 to 40 years, which is this harvest responds to seeds. Harvest does not respond to prayers and fastings, human connections or positions. Now let me say this about prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting are like a key that works perfectly in certain doors, but you cannot take the key of prayer and fasting and try to unlock all of the kingdom doors with it. It works on certain doors, but when it comes to harvest, harvest doesn't respond to prayer and fastings. Harvest responds to the seeds. You have to get seed in the ground. So these are important things for us to consider because God is not in need Matter of fact, he can actually never be in any type of financial need or any need at all. So what God is saying is not for his benefit, it's for our benefit. And he said, seed time and harvest shall not cease. Woo, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, this is a law. It's a spiritual law. And because it is, the scriptures... God's word, the scriptures cannot be broken and people can pray and they can say, well, let's come into agreement that we'll have a harvest. Let's touch concerning these things with God and use our faith. Well, that's nice, but the harvest still doesn't respond to that. It responds to seed. You have to have seed in the ground. Now, in light of that, I want you to think for a moment about an Olympic gold medalist in, let's say, like the sport of Olympic powerlifting, where these men are lifting, uh, you know, they're in the finals. They're, they're all lifting over 500 pounds over their head. And in order to be able to do that, it takes years and years of practice. 
And this is very important because in this sport, it's not just muscles, although that certainly is something that's going to be developed, but it's also the fine muscular skills of balance, the little bitty muscular fibers that all have to get pulled together at the right moment. And uh, there's ligaments and tendons, and all of those have to be strengthened, and it takes years and years to develop all of that so that you can lift those heavy weights and get them up over your head. And so there at the Olympics, you're never going to stand on the top of that podium, whether it's gold, silver, or bronze. You're never going to stand there without having gone through extensive, rigorous practice. <clears throat> Praise God. Keep this in mind today. Thank you, Jesus. You don't become famous or like a superstar in sports simply because you have natural talent. And if you want to go to the top, you're going to pretty much have to have some of that. But that's not enough by itself to get you there. You're going to also have to combine it with a very rigorous exercise routine. Praise God. So, you're going to have to work and put your body through all of the requirements that are demanded to get to that place where you can potentially win the gold medal. Praise God. Now, here's the thing. This works the same way in the kingdom of God, and you have to exercise yourself in this giving and receiving covenant. Woo! I want to share some things today along this line to bring to you. My effort is to bring to you a good understanding of what God expects for us to get to the top. And he lays it out. He lays it out in his word. And I love 1 Timothy chapter 4. Let's take a look at that. Praise God. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7. But reject profane and old wives' fables, and exercise yourself toward godliness. Now listen, this is very, very important, especially in the Western culture. For those of you in the Western part of the world, although it seems to be sweeping uh, India and Africa and other places through a secular influence, watch this. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is, and of that which is to come. Praise the Lord. Now, we are told here in God's Word that bodily exercise has some profit, but it's only a little profit. And I know there's a lot of gyms, and there's a lot of running shoe companies, and there's a lot of uh, uh, you know, sports stores out there that would not want me to say that. <laughs> I remember uh, they interviewed Phil Knight one time. He was the inventor, uh, uh, you know, uh, of Nike, and uh, quite a success story of how you know he would sell the shoes out of the back of the van when starting off. Go up, you know, go to the track meets and sell and sell the shoe. You know, open up an old van and sell shoes out of the back of it and stuff like that. And uh, he and one other man, they would actually, uh, they actually took a, a waffle griddle uh, that, you know, you would 
you would pour the batter into and you would make waffles with, where they took that and they poured a rubber compound in it to make the sole of the bottom of the running shoes. And so, you know, Nike is now the biggest athletic brand, athletic shoe company in the world. But, you know, uh, Phil Knight said, uh, he said, I believe everybody should be athletic. Everybody should be running. Well, of course, that's what he wants. That means we've got to buy his running shoes. (laughs) But as much as particularly our culture tries to push exercise and uh, people sometimes spending hours in the gym, uh, looking at themselves in mirrors, and uh, uh, and we sh- of course uh, shouldn't go the, to the other extreme and neglect our bodies. But today, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of carnality where this uh, athletic culture is pushed way over the top, and uh, people are very consumed about the way they look uh, and so forth. But my friends, we are told again that bodily exercise only has small profit. Wow, praise God. So exercise in godliness is where the real rewards and blessings from God are at. Not only when we get to heaven, but also right now. And that's what I want to really begin to get into today. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And I'm talking about exercising in godliness. And I think when I look at the, the uh, topography of the church, the spiritual landscape, sometimes I think that this, for some believers, perhaps uh, uh, quite a few, this could be the missing key for some of them. Let me try to explain. Praise God. This is, a, this is like a silly example. But I've had other examples that would not be this extreme, but uh, were this misguided. Let me explain. Let me get a drink of water real quick. Praise the Lord. I was doing a meeting some years back, true story, uh, because I say that because you might think, well, Pastor Stephen, nobody would really do that. Uh, Yes, somebody actually did this. I was doing a meeting some years back, and I I, uh, concluded the meeting, and at the conclusion of the service, some people, they just came forward and wanted to give an offering. Uh, There was no official offering received at that time. I was speaking for somebody else, but a few people wanted to bless me, and they just came up uh, with an envelope, uh, put something in my hand. Well, one lady came up, and uh, she came up while everybody was still there, and with a loud voice, she knelt down by my feet and she placed a dime and a penny at my feet. Uh, okay, so that's 11 cents. And she put, those, uh, she put 11 cents at my feet and stood up and with a loud voice said, Lord, turn this into $11 million in Jesus' name. And I just thought, you know, it doesn't work like that. Now, I know that probably 99.99% of you that are watching me understand that, that you can't give to God an offering of 11 cents and think that somehow God's going to turn you into a multimillionaire and he's going to, within two weeks, somebody's going to give you a check for $11 million. Uh, Yes, Pastor Stephen, I don't really believe that. Well, 
that's because you understand that there's a parallel between the natural and the spiritual. They're very, they're very much synced close together in this area. If I, if I were to say that the only exercise I did today was lifting the weight of a slice of pie into my mouth, therefore I've done my exercise, you would say, no, Pastor Stephen, that's not exercise. That's just eating. Well, but I could contest that. I could say, well, you don't understand. It was a really heavy slice of pie. And uh, actually, I, I had three slices. And so that's a lot of extra lifting. But no, no, you can't, you can't get strong doing that. Unless you put your muscles under tension and you put a load on them that causes them to work, they're not going to get any stronger. Wow. But here's what so many believers do. They, they don't exercise themselves in this area of godliness, in the area of seed time and harvest. Maybe they do a little something or this or that, but, and then they expect, they expect Bill Gates to come and give them, uh, and for him to give them all their money, uh, all, all of his money. You know, and he, like, like he's going to come up and say, you know what? I've got $90 billion in the bank, and I'm just going to give it all to you because of the seed that you've sown. But my friends, we have to look at this reality of exercising ourselves unto godliness. And what takes place sometimes in the church is that believers, they are wait, they're waiting for God not, not for themselves to move, but they're waiting for God to make them a champion or the gold medalist or to hand them the gold medal. But we have to do our part. We have to exercise ourselves unto godliness. So this would be like uh, not exercising ourselves in this area would be like showing up to a marathon. Okay. And a marathon is 26.2 miles. You show up to a marathon, and uh, you're going to run the marathon. And uh, perhaps uh, somebody comes up to the starting line, like an interviewer, a reporter, and he says, oh, you're going to run the marathon. And you say, yes. And, uh, and you say, uh, the interviewer says, well, have you uh, done your preparation? Yes. And the interviewer says, what kind of preparation have you done to prepare for the marathon? And the person responds by saying, I've done a whole lot of prayer and fasting. That would make you pause and think. And so you would have to dig deeper. You would have to ask the person, um, that's nice that you've been praying and fasting, but this is a race you're going to run. How much running have you done to prepare for the marathon? Oh, I haven't done any. I've just been fasting and praying. And then you can see why, why people have disappointment or don't reach the finish line or things don't turn out the way they're wanting it to. Why? Because there has not been the preparation of exercise that positions them and develops them to carry out these great things that God wants to do in their lives, particularly in this area of receiving strength and blessing. Praise God. So let's go to Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles chapter 27 and let's take a look at verse 6. Let's start in verse 1. Jotham was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 16 years 
in Jerusalem. Now, verse 6. So Jotham became mighty because he prepared his ways before the Lord his God. Catch that again. He became mighty. Why? Oh, Pastor Stephen, through praying and fasting. And I love praying and fasting. I teach on it. But there's other areas of preparation, and there's other exercises that we have to do to get ready. And sometimes uh, people are looking for shortcuts, and they don't want to do what is required. So Jotham became mighty because he prepared his ways before the Lord his God. So greatness is prepared for. It's not something that you stumble into or accidentally walk into a room and now you're crowned as great. No, it's something that you have to prepare for. Praise the Lord. So, my friends, nobody succeeds by accident. Mm -mm. Nobody is going to win the Olympic marathon by accident. Wow. It's just, it's just never ever going to happen. Why? Because there's everybody showing up on the starting line has prepared. So the more you prepare, the better the results are going to be. And I'm talking about the preparation of exercise. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Exercising yourself unto godliness so that God can make you a champion. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. You need spiritual exercise to, to attain your inheritance in life that Jesus has purchased and made available for you. So let's put our muscles, our spiritual muscles, under the correct tension. How? Through godly exercise so that we are prepared to step into the great harvest that God has planned for us. Woo! Praise God. Mm -mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, I like this verse. Proverbs chapter 13. Let's take a look at that. Proverbs 13, verse 11. It says that wealth gained by dishonesty will be diminished, but he who gathers by labor will increase. Well, Let's look closely here at what God means by he who gathers by labor. What is this labor? Well, it's, uh, you know, it's working the job that God has blessed you with. It's giving the effort required there, but it's also more than that. Again, he who gathers by labor will increase. Wealth gained by dishonesty will be diminished. What happened to the prodigal son? He receives his inheritance, and he goes off, and he squanders the whole thing. Why? Because he didn't earn it. He never labored for it and never worked for it. Therefore, when it was given to him, he does not know how to steward it. He doesn't know how to take care of it. Thank you, Jesus. Anything that we don't work for, well, we're not going to have the capacity to retain it. We're going we're gonna to fumble it. We're going to bumble it. We're going to mess it up. That's why we have to labor the right way so that we can appreciate it and enjoy it and maintain 
what God has given to us. It will really mean something to us when the right labor is put into it. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So only he that gathers by labor is permitted to increase. Praise the Lord. Now, what is this labor? Let's look in the book of John chapter 6. John 6 and verse 27. Jesus said, Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. So do not labor for the food which perishes, but labor or work for the food which endures to everlasting life. So there's a call here to labor to stand on God's word, to take a hold of God's word and to take that responsibility to build yourself up, to believe God's promises and to resist the opposition and the negative circumstances that will try to come into your life to block those things from taking place in your life. That is the labor that you have the responsibility to do. And we see also that as we labor in the word, that we can labor in the sowing. And when we do this, we exercise our spiritual muscles and we can grow in that area. And of course, God will bring the harvest. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Matthew chapter 6 is very, very important. This is one of the greatest scriptures in the Bible because it mentions something that should be first. There's not a reference to second, third, or fourth, but a focus on what the priority is. We have Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Jesus said, but seek first. So there we have it in red, the words of the Lord, but seek first the kingdom of God. Now the kingdom of God are the things of God's interest. If you have a king, you have a kingdom and you have subjects within that kingdom. And so it would include God's way of doing things. Why? Because he's the king over that kingdom. So we want to please him and we want to know what his rules are and what he requires of us to please him and to honor him. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. All these things shall be added to you. Praise God. When we are unreservedly sold out to God and we're all after the Lord's interest, we're after him and his interest, then God opens his hands and blessings begin to flow. Praise the Lord. And so many of the things that the sinners in the world are running around thinking about how they can get it and grasp it and take a hold of it. Those things that are good just come into your life through the blessing of the Lord. But you know what? If we're not committed to fully serving the Lord, then there's other things that we get tangled up in. And now we are bound to end up serving them unfortunately, for the rest of our lives. So you want to be free to serve the Lord. And that really comes down to a heart commitment where you say, Lord, I put you first. Everything that I have, my finances, 
my sewing. You know, a lot of times Christians, they set a budget and they have a budget for a vacation, a budget for a home improvement, a budget perhaps for a new car. But with all the budgeting they do, they never budget anything for God. Perhaps they give God the tithe, but that's it. And after that, there's nothing else. But my friends, you need to fall out of love with money. Money is important, but we're not supposed to love money. There are some that do. But we need to fall out of love with money and fall in love with God and the interest of his kingdom. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Some people, they don't think about the Lord in these areas, about how they can serve God with everything that God has given them. Remember what even the devil said about Job when, he, when, when the devil was talking to the Lord. He said, does Job serve you for, for nothing? In other words, the devil's trying to say, hey, he's just serving you because you take good care of him and you bless him with wealth and increase and stuff like that. But even the devil had to admit that Job was serving God. Does Job serve you for nothing? So that means Job was serving God. He was literally obeying what we would call Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Therefore, you can begin to understand why his wealth and his great assets were not luck or chance or just because maybe he's good at numbers or good at math and he made a lot of money. No, it's the blessing of the Lord because he's kingdom-minded and he's putting God's interest before his. Praise God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. So there is the element of serving the Lord and exercising ourselves unto godliness where we put the Lord first. If you don't exercise, your muscles will not be strong. The exercise of giving continually and sowing and honoring the Lord in this area and being sensitive to divine opportunities as expressed by the Holy Spirit. These things are planned by God for our lifting. Mm -hmm. And God certainly wants to lift you up. He wants you to be a high flyer in his kingdom. And he wants you to be a star. And the thing is, is that in order to be a star, you have to shine. But in order for God to cause you to shine, you've got to put him first, not second, or third, or fourth. And today's culture, there are so many things that seem to capture the attention and even the heart of God's people, where they lose that fire, and they lose that passion, and they still love God in the sense. They want to go to heaven, but there's a lot of other things that they love also, and things of the world that have captured their heart and have pulled them over into areas where they have lost that sensitivity, and they have lost that presence of the Holy Spirit. And my friends, that's a dangerous place to be because now the devil can uh, do things to come in and uh, bring attacks and if nothing else, to bring spiritual dryness into your life. And you don't have that joy of the Lord, the joy of the Holy Spirit, and you can't pick up on that quick understanding that the Holy Spirit brings that makes you anointed in the area of your specific field. Praise God. We must maintain our walk with the Lord, but seek first, not where there's not a, a focus on what's second or third or fourth, but seek first the kingdom of God. And that really requires a commitment from the heart, 
a commitment from the heart. You know, I told the story a few months back about a man that used to be in my church, and uh, he, he confessed to me one day, and I, of course, nobody knows who this is, but he confessed to me one day, and uh, this was when he was in his 70s, early 70s. He confessed one day in private to me and said, Pastor Stephen, I've, I've wasted my whole life. Now, he'd been a Christian for decades, but what he was trying to explain to me is that he had never served God. He was a quiet Christian. If you knew him, you never would have even known he was a Christian. He's certainly not going to bring it up. He certainly wasn't going to witness to anybody. So he has God in his heart, but that, that's, that's the only involvement, uh, and that's it. Nothing, nothing further. No special offering ever given in the church. Uh, he'd put a little something in. He never served God in any area of his life. And I told him, I said, brother, you still have time. You know, perhaps by God's grace, you've, you've got another 10 years and you can begin to serve the Lord with what he has blessed you with and, you know, with your strength and with your ability. And there's always something to do around the ministry property. There's, uh, you know, even though we have a gardener and so forth, there's, there's still always something to do. Every, in every department, I, actually, there's something that could be done if you want to volunteer or help. And you know what? He just never really engaged. would just come to the services and never really engage. And, uh, Years went by, and it was last year, Kelly and I, we were uh, out at a local cemetery and uh, happened to be uh, uh, looking around at that day because it was a Veterans Day. We saw all the beautiful flags. We just stopped by. We're out there looking around, and I just happened to stop uh, for one reason. I stopped, and uh, I think I was going to tie my shoe or something like that, and I looked down, and there was a gravestone right by my foot. I, I said to Kelly, I said, well, I wonder who's buried here, Kelly. And I looked at the gravestone, and my eyes could hardly believe it. It was him. It's all over. It's a wrap. And he never served God his, his entire life. Did he love the Lord? Yes. Is he saved? I'm sure he's in heaven. I have no doubt about that. I've talked to him many times. And, uh, but as far as putting God first, Oh, no, he wasn't into that at all. He was going to live his own life. He had the things he liked. He had the things that he wanted to do. He's going to spend his money his way. And he died with all kinds of stuff, almost like the Bible talks about the rich man who had to build, uh, had to tear, tear down the barns he had because they weren't big enough and build more barns. That's kind of what, in some ways, he had to do, build bigger barns to put uh, more of his stuff in, all kinds of stuff, all kinds of stuff, but never gave any kind of a special offering or something that, you know, would touch God's heart. Never did that his entire life. Mm -mm. Wow. Praise the Lord again, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. So here's the thing. You have to exercise these muscles. We can't just read these stories and say, that's good. Pastor Stephen, back in 1983, I gave a special offering. Well, what if the last workout you did was 1983? <laughs> you know, we have to be uh, just regular and consistent with this and open to the leading of the Holy Spirit. I'm not teaching this message today to receive a special offering. I'm just teaching this message because this is kingdom way of living. 
And if you don't sustain these things, you become weak and you can even back off. You're not doing anything. And you don't want to be in a place like that. It'll lock you into a zone where either you live a very mediocre life or even if you do have money, you're just a poor person with money. You don't, you don't have that love for the Lord in the sense where you're actually caring about the lost and you think about what can I do? What can I do to help Pastor Stephen? Or some of you, you are watching, but you have a different pastor, perhaps a different ministry that you're connected with, but you don't really think, what can I do? What is my part, my role that I can play to make the impact that I can make to help this ministry or help God's kingdom move forward? So people stay up late at night watching TV shows, and they never think thoughts like that. People stay up late at night, even Christians, thinking about, how can I make more money? But they never think about, how can I be involved in seeing God's kingdom expanded? Hmm, wow. Well, we're broadcasting, for example, in Israel now, out of Bethlehem. As many of you know who've been there, that would be what they technically call Palestinian territory. Now, in the biblical view, the whole area belongs to Israel. So I just call it Israel. <laughs> we have all these political terms, West Bank. All of that's politicized, okay? And it's not speaking, uh, you know, the biblical language, such as Judea, Samaria, okay? But you have to understand when that broadcast is going out, it is going out over areas of Israel, but it's also going out to many Arab people, including uh, those that just might happen to be in some of these groups that are pretty rough around the edges. I'm talking terrorist groups because you have others that live in that area and so forth. But my friends, uh, these people need Christ. Everybody needs to hear about Jesus. And as it usually is the case, people need to hear it more than one time. Repetition is often the name of the game. Keep sowing the seed. Keep sowing the seed. Keep sowing the seed. And eventually it clicks. You know, I was raised in a denominational church that for the first 21 years of my life taught me there's no more miracles. God doesn't heal anybody today. Basically, you know, you can't expect anything like that. But I started listening to the radio one day to a preacher named R.W. Schambach, who taught about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, talked about miracles all the time. And after listening to it for two years, not two weeks, two years, the light of the teaching broke through. And I realized this is still for today. I never could have caught that revelation after two weeks or even after six months. Why? Because I was layered like an onion with all kinds of religious baloney. Uh, and, you know, the denomination I grew up in, thank God they preached the gospel. I got saved, but I couldn't grow any further past that because, you know, the preacher didn't really know what to share. Once you were born again, he didn't really know what to do. So we all just kind of sat around and talked about, you know, thank God we're saved and one day we'll get through this and die and go to heaven. But my friends, we never really thought uh, there's more and let's reach the world with the gospel. Praise God. But after two years, I had heard the word enough that I was ready for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And when hands were laid on me by a, by a pastor, I got filled with the Holy Spirit so fast, I just burst out in tongues. Praise God. It just began to come out. It began to flow out like a river. And it's been flowing ever since. 
But in these areas, we just gonna, we're going to continue to preach, 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 teach, teach. There's no telling who's, who's listening. Mm-mm. But I, I'm continuing to exercise my muscles and to do all I can uh, to not only preach this, but also myself to live this. Why? Because I'm believing God for great breakthroughs, for even greater breakthroughs. Praise God. Amen. Amen. And so I understand these laws. But as we understand them, we must not only understand them, but we must apply them. Mm. We must not only know how to build muscle, we must go in the gym and lift the weights. Praise God. So it's not a one-time thing. We have to be consistent. And when you are, you're living in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. You're in that kingdom. You're in that kingdom. And I would suggest don't ever come out of it. Don't ever come out of it and let something of the world entangle you or lure you away from it because it'll break your momentum. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. This is the work. This is the work that Jesus was talking about. And this is the laboring that is talked about in the scriptures. Labor, labor. You're not entitled to increase without the labor. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And I, I just hear the Lord saying, don't be weary in well-doing, because in due season, you're going to reap. Praise the Lord. Amen. You most certainly will. So keep on going to the spiritual gym. Keep on exercising yourself to godliness. Praise the Lord. Glory. Glory to God. Glory to the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, I pray for those that are watching right now, that they build up their spiritual muscles. Some, some are very strong spiritually, very strong, and they, that's because they, they're in the gym all the time. I thank you, Father God, that you're getting them stronger and stronger. And they're going higher and higher, and you're going to cause their star to shine. Because what you're doing right now is you're beginning to exalt the church in the earth as the church exalts Christ. And the world is not going to have solutions. And the world is going to have problems they can't solve. But they would look at the church, and they would look at your people shining as brilliant stars set in the blackness of space as the earth struggles to get through various ordeals and difficulties. I thank you, Father, that your people, your people who are strong, will be able to express that strength in godly ways to where even those of the world would say, come and teach us how you're doing this. Now, Father, we thank you. We give you praise that Jesus said, seek first. So we thank you, Father. Let us never drift off of that. Thank you, Father God. If there's anybody watching today, Father, that needs to re-anchor to this scripture, help them to make that adjustment. Thank you, Father God. Father, there are those that are watching that, that would say, I have nothing to give. I don't have any money. Yet they have a boat parked in the garage that's been there for 20 years, and it just makes them feel good to know that it's there. And Lord, you see. But Father, sometimes your people can't because... They're tangled up in all kinds of other love affairs with the world. And they say, I wish I could give, but I can't. But Lord, it's all around them. It's all around them. But they have not been able to exercise themselves in this area because of a wrong focus. 
But I thank you, Father God, you're changing things. I thank you, Father God, you're illuminating the path into Deuteronomy 8.18, the power to get wealth. It's only covenant-based. It has a purpose, the furtherance of your kingdom. Oh, God, we give you praise. We thank you, oh, God, that you are the God who lifts up. And our lifting is not through our connections, not through who we know or this or that. But it's through you. Thank you, Father. You're the God that lifted up Abraham, and you blessed him. Oh, God, we give you praise. You're lifting, you're lifting your people right now into new heights. We thank you, God, and it's all for your glory. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, if you're watching today's program and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you need to make your peace with God and get your life right with God. Pray this prayer right now. Pray it from your heart. Pray it out loud and say this. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Come into my heart. Save me from my sins. Wash me with your precious blood. I give my life to you. Jesus, write my name in your book of life and step into my life today, right now, and lead me and guide me from this moment forward. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Woo! My friends, we live in a time that's very similar to Lot's wife. Just before the judgment came, she was so caught up in the society and in the world and in the recreation and in the entertainment and everything going on and all of the wealth and, and uh, all of this and all of that. She had no interest in the things of God. She, she had no interest. The angels literally had to come and grab them by the hand and pull them out of the city. Mm-mm. Don't fall in love with the things of the world. We thank God for his blessings. We thank God for provision. We thank God for money. But don't worship money. Don't fall in love with money. Fall in love with God. Hallelujah. Put him first. His kingdom. His way of doing things. His righteousness. You want to see others saved. You want to see others make heaven. Praise God. Just like you're going. You want to, you know, somebody thought about you. Somebody uh, somebody laid their lives down so that the gospel would be shared. And somehow, some way you heard it. That required somebody to make a sacrifice. Praise the Lord. You know, like I said, I heard, I heard uh, uh, Brother Shambach on the radio. Somebody's paying for the Christian airtime on the radio so that I could listen to that for two years. <laughs> so somebody had to have a heart for God so that that could happen. And now I'm a recipient uh, of that who has been blessed by that. Mm-mm. Come into the things of God. Get tied up and caught up in the things of God. You'll lose interest in the things of the world. Praise God. There is somebody, you're watching me, you're a health fanatic. All you do is want to go work out. And uh, you want people, you even want people to see your body because you've developed it and uh, you're in some, you're in spectacular shape. But you know what? If, if you're not kingdom motivated and if your heart is not centered on the Lord, oh, you can get caught up in some of the most strange things and have all types of phobias and mindsets 
that, that don't honor the Lord. Shake free of these things that are so temporal. Again, I'm not saying that you need to let yourself go. Take care of yourselves. But there's a place today in our culture, you've got people in the gym for two, three, four hours a day. This is, this is lunacy. This is craziness. Mm-mm. Praise the Lord. Glory. Glory to God. Again, we're living in the era of Lot's wife. They had to pull her out of there. She turned to salt. She, she, they pulled her out, but she wanted to go back. That's where her heart was. Praise the Lord. Mm-mm. God's working right now. Make the commitment to develop yourself in the area where you're exercising yourself unto godliness. Pastor Stephen, God has my heart. How can somebody say God has their heart when they can't even give him, uh, they can't even give God the tithe? How can uh, a person withhold the tithe and not give that to God and then say, but God has my heart? No, he doesn't have, uh, that, that's not true. Amen. If, if we're not willing to give God first place, then we need to make those adjustments. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. The Holy Spirit's working. This is a good time to take communion today. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory to God. I want to say something interesting. Sometimes I meet people that are in the elderly years of their life. They've got their will made out, and uh, they're about to pass on to their reward. And I'm talking about Christians. Uh, you know, they're up there in age, and you're about to uh, pass on. But yet, I've met some of these Christians, and in their will, uh, all their wealth, all of their money, not a penny of it is going to the church. Not a penny of it, when they die, goes to God's kingdom. It all goes to their ungodly family members who don't serve God, who sometimes hate God, mock God, ridicule God, curse and profane God's name, but yet they're going to take all of their reserves and they're going to give it to their family members. What kind of absolute lunacy is that? Because <laughs> I'll tell you right now, when my time comes to go and me and uh, Pastor Kelly leave this planet, if there's uh, children, grandchildren, whoever, who ain't serving God, they're not getting a penny. They're not getting anything. Hallelujah. And uh, the lion's share, the lion's share of anything that we would have left is going towards the work of the kingdom. Mm-mm. I like it when the evangelist T.L. Osborne told the story of when his wife Daisy passed away. And when she passed away, she had a large life insurance policy uh, that was cashed out upon her death. And her husband T.L. Osborne received that. And he took every single bit of that. I think it was like maybe $30,000. And he put it all into a book that she had written before she died. And he had it published and had all the copies of the books sent all over, um, I think, all over India. Thousands and thousands of copies. And uh, I'm telling you, it's a different way of thinking. It's a kingdom way of thinking. And when it's all said and done, that's going to be the only thing standing. Anyhow, it's God's kingdom. Now, grab some communion. If you are a Christian, a believer in Jesus Christ, then you can take Holy Communion. Praise the Lord. And uh, here I've got my unleavened bread, and I have some grape juice. And you, you don't necessarily have to have the little travel cup like I do. I use these because they're so convenient and easy. But grab what you've got, and let's pray over it. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you for the communion today, the grape juice, the bread. We bless it. We consecrate it. We set it apart as being holy. And we thank you that it is. This is now the body and the blood of Jesus. And Father, as we receive the Lord's flesh, his body, we thank you that Jesus, he was a good receiver, the best receiver. But he was not focused on consuming. He was focused on giving. We thank you, Father, that the value of a man or woman is not based on what they receive, but rather on what they contribute or give, particularly along the lines of your kingdom. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. As we receive the Lord's body, let our priorities be adjusted in harmony with the golden scripture of Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. God's working right now. The Holy Spirit is working right now. I never heard talk like this when I grew up. <laughs> the only time I ever heard a talk or a conversation or a message, kind of like what I'm sharing today, was when I was in Bible college. It wasn't a Bible college, but I was taking some Bible courses and the course that I took was on missions, taught by a veteran missionary who had a love for those who had never heard the gospel and didn't want to see people go to hell. And he taught a message like this, and I thought, my God, what have I been focusing on? Because <laughs> you know, I was just enjoying life, you know, having fun, glad I was going to heaven, but didn't really have a, too much of an interest about anybody else who wasn't. I was just having too much fun in life. But when I heard that, I thought, dear Lord, that made my head spin. Wow, made me think. You know, some years went by uh, after that college experience. And one day I was talking to one of my brothers. And um, he just brought up one day a, a class he took at college that really shook his world. He said, man, I, this professor taught this class and it just like rattled my brain. It made me challenge everything I was doing. I said, what class was that? He goes, well, it was this missions class I took as an elective with. I said, oh, yeah, with Mr. So-and-so. He said, yes. I said, I know. <laughs> I said, I've never heard anything like it before either. I said, it totally made me rethink about what am I living for? What is my purpose? Mm -mm. And it was, of course, the class was based around Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Praise the Lord. See, you can be called strictly the business. You could be called to be a school teacher. You could be called to be a CEO of a corporation. But that doesn't mean you're exempt from putting God's kingdom first. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus and his mighty, mighty cleansing power. We just thank you, Father God. We just thank you that you're working. You're really working, dialing, dialing us in to get on focus. We thank you, Father, you're positioning us for great blessing, for great lifting up. We thank you, Father God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive the Lord's precious blood.
Praise the Lord. You know, the thing that's a challenge here is that you can make a commitment with your heart, but if you don't stay close to the Lord and really stay active, active in his kingdom, active of uh, in the gym of giving and, and uh, exercising yourself unto godliness, what will happen is you'll, you'll start to drift. So make the commitment and then just stay dialed into that place. Amen. And before you know it, a decade goes by. Another decade goes by. And then you'll reach towards the end, and you'll be right where God wants you to be. Praise God. You'll finish strong. Mm-mm. And there's also some grace things God could do. Uh, perhaps for those who think, you know, Pastor Stephen, I've lost a lot of years. <laughs> uh, and I certainly wasn't living my life revolving around this verse, uh, verse 33. Well, if you turn to the Lord, there's grace. But my friends, I tell you, get in the gym, get, get in that place where you are exercising yourself to godliness and, uh, God start lifting you up, start lifting you up. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let me say this as I close. God is able to bless you better than you're able to bless yourself. Some of you, you buy, you buy silly gifts for yourself. Uh, perhaps you're a little bit on the selfish side. And when you get extra money, you just, you're so excited about it. You go out and you buy something for yourself. And then maybe a year goes by and you look at that gift and you think, what came over me? That this is the stupidest thing in the world. Why did I buy this? What kind of a, you know, persuasion came over me? Oh, it's just the world that we live in. What if you would have taken that money and instead of buying that gift would have sowed it, would have sowed it as a seed where would the harvest be at? Where would your muscles be at right now spiritually? What level would you be on right now? Now, if, and also, if you start doing that consistently, I found that when I do that, then, and I sow it instead of buying something or spending it, then God brings something in that would be like a gift or would be something that's added to my life that makes me really happy happier than I could have even done if I, I, let me say, I couldn't have figured it out myself to do it like that. But when I go his route, which is the higher route, he brings something to me that just makes me laugh, makes me happy. Every time I look at it, I'm happy. Five years go by, I still look at that, that thing and it still just makes me so happy. Maybe 10 years later, I'm still happy. Why? God brought it in, but it was God bringing it in because I released what I had in my hand. Praise the Lord. God knows how to treat you better than you know how to treat yourself. So I'd like to close with that. And my friends, thank you for watching today. I went a little bit extra long today on a midweek message, but I felt these things were on my heart. I've been meditating over them the last few days. I wanted to share them with you. God bless you as you continue to serve the Lord and walk with him. And you are greatly interested and engaged in the expansion of his eternal kingdom. Thanks for watching. I'll see you back next time.